stand just a little bit together and then we're going to come back and just dig into worship um, together as a family in the latter part of our, our time and we'll make room for that at the end but I want us to really have our hearts prepared for where uh, God's desiring for us to go you know we're focusing in on this whole idea of deeper I asked the um, first service and I could tell it went over like a lead balloon I'm not sure it went over I'm not sure first service went all that great um, when I said something like, you know, what if we go into a sermon series that says, ain't going to preach these next five weeks. It's just all about gathering around the presence and not around the preaching. And uh, I could tell that that went over like a lid balloon in the first service, but I'm not even looking at you right now to see how it goes over in this service. But you understand, how many of you know what we really are after is Jesus? Rather than elevating a person and a personality and a profile in the midst of our gathering that we start to gather around, and then we're raising up people. I, I understand leadership. There's no way to get out of the focus of somebody leading the charge. And, and here I am this week, and last week AT did an amazing job, and the Holy Spirit class on Wednesday night. I mean, all those things are functions of the church that we need need to keep walking out and working out but at the same time guys we've got to be absolutely devoted to lifting up the name of Jesus as our foremost concern it's so important that we understand that and so we're just asking God for wisdom in this and uh, tampering with it a little bit to get a better picture and a better understanding of what this season is supposed to look like what we do know for sure is that we've stepped into a season of revelation where we are coming to, uh, to a greater understanding that we are designed to live in the deeper reality of God as a way of life and that's what this whole emphasis of deeper is all about taking us into a deeper understanding of the revelation of Christ um, that that whole eternal reality you have to understand there is eternity how many of you know there's eternity like there is a realm around this temporal realm and that realm is a more certain realm according to scripture we need to we want to build our lives on the greater certainty of eternity what I'm referencing is Matthew 24 35 heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away the, eterni the eternal reality of God's truth is what we must learn to build our lives on or we're building on something temporal that the Bible actually describes in terms of our lives as a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Anybody ever feel like that? Life just blazing by so quickly. In fact, I, I started looking into the uh, commonly understood or commonly expressed by many different authors and different people, but the seven ages of man. And I thought it was interesting. I found this, this picture kind of depicting the seven ages of men uh, this past week. And, uh, and it's kind of the progression of a person's life. And here's the way, it's, here's the way these seven ages lay out. Spills, where we're young, we, we do a lot of spills. And then drills, we start kind of finding interest in something. And then thrills, when the thing we found interest in wasn't enough. And then with thrills come bills, and you have to pay for those thrills. And with those bills come ills, because sometimes you break a bone when you're out in the thrill paying the bill and then you uh, start to take pills and you have to write wills and so here are the seven stages spills drills thrills bills ills pills and wills that is the progression of life those are the seven ages of humanity in the temporal world in which we live and again the bible says it is as if it is a mist that appears and then vanishes anybody just feel like life has flown by in so many respects like, man, it just goes so fast. I remember, like, Tracy and I had been married for 10 years before we had our first child. 
And when we had faith, I was thinking, man, we've been married for 10 years. That went by so fast. And then I'm looking at faith, and then on, you know, comes Lexi, and I'm looking at our two girls, and I'm like, man, it's so incredible to have these little babies. And then, like, I'm, they're graduating high school and now in college. And, I mean, it's just like, it just goes so fast. Life's like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. I heard one guy explain that way. It's really the reality. I mean, it just goes so fast. This mist that's just vanishing right before our eyes. I hear people say, I'm living my best life. You know, I just want to live my best life. What does that mean? I want to live my best life. What is your best life? You know, I, I heard this interview with Oprah Winfrey, and I was stricken when I heard her say this. And I researched it just a little bit. I've shown some pictures when I've talked about this before. But Oprah, um, she has a $52 million house in California. How many of you would count it your best life to live in a $52 million house in California? You'd be okay with that. How many would be okay with a $42 million house in California? It'd be all right. Until property taxes came due, and then, then what would we do, right? I mean, all these wonderful things come with all these other issues. I mean, she, had a, she has a $52 million house in California, a $68 million mansion in New Jersey. She has a luxury duplex that she stays at when she's in Chicago. They named a street after her in Chicago. She has vacation homes in Hawaii, many other exotic places. And when she wants to go there, she doesn't fly commercial airlines because she has a $42 million custom jet. And in her will, she has left... 30 million dollars to her dogs like she's got it going on in terms of everything the world has to offer yet when I heard her in the interview this is what she said I keep a gratitude journal for those rainy days when I start to feel depressed I go back and reflect on the things that I'm thankful for which is a great idea would you agree like learning to give thanks really helps shake us out of feeling low and blue but if if somebody who has all the stuff i just described to you says that they suffer emotionally rainy days then what hope is there of any of us finding a place of happiness in the world in which we live and the answer is the joy of the lord is different from the happiness this world is striving for can i say it again the lord is my shepherd i will not live in a frame mind frame mindset of want you ought to help me today just declare that in Jesus' name. Why don't we agree some materialism is breaking off of the body of Christ in this hour, that we're stepping into a greater dimension and understanding of what eternal life is really all about, the eternal priorities of God becoming the greater reality of our existence in Jesus' mighty name. I'm talking about things that are vitally important, yet we live in a time when people spend way more time planning their vacation than they do in even planning their future. And the reason is because it's easier to escape than it is to face the reality of what we're about to become. This is why the average American watches television for 13 years of their life. 
I want you to think about that. We've become so consumed with entertainment that the average American in our, average person that lives in our nation watches TV so much, 13 years of that person's life is mesmerized by uh, watching the storyline of somebody else. In their imagination, they're living out something that's grander, bigger than they are. I just want you to know, God's plans are even bigger than that. If you start to embrace the eternal reality of God's call on your life, he will transform everything about who you are. You'll start to live from an entirely different perspective when the eternal purposes of God get awakened and activated in who you are. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted eternity. How many know what God plants is going to grow? God has planted eternity in the human heart. You have eternity planted in you. And that eternity in your heart is trying to grow. And as that eternity grows, it has a certain sense of appetite. And nothing in the temporal world around you will ever answer the eternal appetite that exists within your soul. God put it there. In other words, God really blessed us and gave us the opportunity to feel a sense of discontentment until we get right with him because your highest calling in life is to be aligned in your relationship with God Almighty. Nothing else, that's what we're singing, nothing else, Lord, nothing else, only you really matter. Is that really our mindset? Is that really our perspective? How many of you know this is a growing, maturing relationship? How many of you love God? Can I just see? Raise your hand. If you really love God, you love God. Do you understand? You just love God from where you are. Like different people are in different places. I've been talking to some different individuals this past week. I talked to somebody this week, and they said, you know what? My income shifted dramatically, and I'm making tremendously less money, but I'm giving myself to the call of God on my life, and that's where I find fulfillment. How many of you think that person loves God? I talked to another person, and they said, man, I've just been caught in the cycle of addiction, and I've relapsed, and here I am, and I don't know how to break out of it, but I'm turning to God for help. How many of you know that person loves God? I talked to somebody who said, I've only been drinking water now for eight days because I'm so hungry for God. I'm fasting in a prolonged fast, and I'm giving myself to 10 days of fasting and praying. How many of you know that person loves God? Let me ask you, do you love God? From wherever you are, Learning to love God from that moment actually begins to broaden your maturity and deepen your perspective, and you grow in a deeper value and appreciation for who God's designed you to be. Wherever you are, start there. Wherever you are right now, just start there. Let God begin to do what God desires to do. Start right there. So when we're thinking about what this life is all about and, you know, what's life mean? It's interesting because there's this verse of Scripture. Have you ever heard it in the Bible? It says, he who loves his life, he'll lose his life. But he who hates his life, he'll have life. You ever read that before? It's like, do you understand what that means? I mean, if you don't, if you don't recognize that there are different words that translate life in Scripture and that that is actually referencing different perspectives of life, then it's very perplexing and confusing. 
But I want to just show you in the New Testament, the New Testament's written in, in Greek, and there are three words that translate life, and all three of them are hugely important for us to understand with where we're going and what we're talking about today. The first word is, is literally where we get our word biology. And it's a bios life. And it just speaks of mere existence like an organism would have an existence. How many of you are glad that you were born and that you existed and you took your first breath? Aren't you glad? Thank God, God gave you life. Your mom and dad might not have purposed you, but God did. Okay, I want you to know when you took your first breath, you've got a whole life to live now until you take your last breath. And everything in between is what really matters. But bios doesn't take into any consideration of what really matters. Bios is merely existence. And there are some people who simply exist. See, there are three levels of life. And we always start out in the same place. It's just survival. The first level of life is survival. And, and everybody's born with this ability just to pursue what it is to simply survive. But I want you to know you were born for more than mere survival. Can I get anybody's Amen. You were born for more than mere survival. And so when you start to step into the next dimension of life that we read about in Scripture, that, that word is suke. It's spelled P-S-U-C-H-E. And it's where we would get our word psychology from. And it's the sense of another level of life where we're now devoted to a sense of cause. I have a psychological element about me. I've fought something through. I'm devoted to this thing. And I'm committed to seeing this this cause further in, in this world, I'm going to do something with my life more than merely exist. It's a beautiful expression of another level of life. And this is where we move from, from survival to a place called success. Maybe you successfully devote yourself to a cause. But how many of you know, even from the, the analogy that I read and all the things that famous rich people can have and they still find themselves empty, that success will never satisfy your life. Because no matter how successful you are, you're constantly in a state of thinking that there would be more for you to actually give yourself to. If my net worth is at this amount, then I'm satisfied when I achieve that, but then there's always another level of net worth that I need to achieve and acquire. If I have five vacation homes like Oprah has, then and, and what I could have is six, and I meet somebody and they had, yay, even seven. What's going on? Why would we think that way? Because eternity exists in your heart. You know why you feel like there's something more that you were born for? Because you were born for something more. That's why. And if all you ever experience is the suitcase psychological element of driving to accomplish something in this world, success, whatever, no matter how amazing it may be, it's never going to be enough until you discover that third level of life. We go from survival to a place of success, and we go from success to finally understanding a place called significance. Significance is only discovered when you recognize he who created you has a purpose for your existence. And then he unlocks your psychological pursuits and drives so that you're not just giving yourself to accomplish things that really aren't going to matter in the long-term scope of things, but the eternal purposes of God start to be awakened within, you, within who you are. And that life is called Zoe, Z-O-E. And it is eternal life. And it's not mere existence. And it's not a soulish expression of devotion in the world. But it's an eternal life that comes alive when you surrender at the cross of Jesus Christ with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
Have you made that decision? Have you, have you invited Jesus into your life and said, Jesus, you came to rescue all humanity and redeem all of us from a, a sinful state that was the result of Adam and Eve? Have you made that decision to really walk with Jesus and say, be my Savior and be Lord of my life? And then you say, I love God, whether you've been fasting for seven days, whether you're just trying to get sober. Wherever you are, that's where you start. And you grow deeper in that love every single day. No matter what the struggle may be, you grow deeper in that love as you walk this out. Now we start to understand why the Bible would say, he who loves his life, the life of this world, will lose his life, the life eternal. And he who uh, hates his life, the life of this world, gives it up for the purposes of God. We'll find his life. How many of you want a deeper life, a Zoe life, a supernatural life, an eternal life, a purposeful life, realizing there's a reason for your existence that needs to be connected to the cause of Jesus Christ that we see demonstrated on the cross so you and I might truly come alive? John chapter 1, verse 4. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. Let's, let's take, I'll give you a multiple choice test question. Bios, suke, or zoe? In Christ was life. Which one do you think? Definitely. This is eternal life. And this eternal life is the light of men. And salvation is when we are enlightened to the purposes of God, activated spiritually deep within our soul. The root word for uh, Light is the same root word for knowledge. Equally so, the root word for darkness is the same root word for ignorance. So the enemy functions in our lives in a place of darkness or ignorance when we don't know God's word, we don't understand God's purposes, we're just merely existing and maybe devoting ourselves to some psychological anticipation of making some type of a meaningful difference without ever really unlocking the eternal value that God has purposed deep within our soul. We're never going to understand the deepest sense of why we are here. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life. Zoe again. The Bible says that you and I were actually designed by God to live a life that's fully alive, truly alive. <laughs> In fact, um, we were born to be alive, truly alive, fully alive. You were born on purpose to experience life the way Jesus wants you to experience life. Uh, you know, we meet here for Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. prayer. And we're streaming on live now. Uh, online for that at Tuesday at 6 as well for those who aren't able to physically come. But it's just been great to press in, go a little deeper. And Zach Lowe was leading prayer this last Tuesday. And he said this statement, and man, it struck me. He said, uh, boy, it's hard to get your kids to be generous. Really hard to get your kids to be generous. You, you understand, mine is one of the first words all of us ever learned, Right? Like, possessive mind, get away from my stuff. That comes very natural. Now, generosity, that's a little more counterintuitive. That's a little bit of a higher level life. That's not mere existence and psychological demand. But now I'm stepping into the eternal perspective of actually giving because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now I'm starting to step into a higher level of maturity for what God has called me to do. And I believe that our Heavenly Father looks at us sometimes and says, my goodness, it's so hard to get my kids to be generous. Isn't it? 
But learning that lifestyle really unlocks the purpose that, that releases eternal significance in who we are. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and it's a, it's a wild statement. It's not a statement I've made before this last week because I've never really understood it this way. Your destiny, what's your destiny? Your fulfilled life, your answering the call of God, your fulfilling and walking out the purpose for which God created you. Your destiny is actually the inheritance of Jesus that we rob him of when we choose to be distracted and disobedient. Jesus paid the price for the fullness of your life. That's what I'm saying. He came that you might have and enjoy life to the full. Scripture says it this way in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And what is that hope? The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Jesus paid the price on the cross for you to become everything God designed you to be. Do you understand that? And when you grow distracted and distant from God, then you are robbing him of the inheritance for which he died. So this is the way, this is the way I want to say it. And you can see it on the screen. If we live distracted lives, it robs Jesus of the inheritance he died for and deserves. How many of you know he deserves our very best? He deserves our very best. Nothing else. Nothing else. This is why the scripture says, I press on, Philippians 3.12, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So my name is Lawrence Franklin Meeson. I've never liked my middle name. I wondered often why my mom would name me after a turtle. <laughs> but I believe names are significant. And I believe before this earth ever began. God predestined every single one of us. I believe he called your name before your mama knew what your name was ever going to be. I believe he called your name before your mama even had her name. I believe he has purposed with eternal significance your existence in this generation. He was not taken by surprise when all the birth pains started happen in this particular season of our existence together as a congregational family. But we will not be defined by birth pains. We will be defined by the kingdom of God being born as a result of every pain we ever walk through. Anybody with me? In the midst of great pain, we discover our deepest purpose so many times in our lives. And I just say, Philippians 3.12, it's such a powerful verse. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I just think there's something rich there for us to press into. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus 
took hold of me. Why don't we just celebrate his word together? Let's just stand and just receive his word blanketing us. Let's, let's ask God just to, with, with fresh inspiration, clothe us with his word. I press on. I press on. It, it, it requires some pressing on sometimes. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be very difficult. But when you have a sense of purpose, you're willing to endure the pain. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Because if you lack purpose, you will be defined and dissuaded by the pain. You'll step back and say, no, that's just too difficult. I just can't do that. But when you have a sense of purpose, you dig in deeper and you're willing to forgive more. You're willing to love more. You're willing to serve more. You're willing to give more. You're willing to learn more of the eternal nature of God. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. Lord, we press on to take hold of that for which you took hold of us. I pray that you would take us deeper into an understanding of true life. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Because of his great love, we've been made alive when we responded to Jesus. Come on, would you just respond to Jesus? We just come to the foot of the cross together as a family unit, online, on campus. We just come to the foot of the cross and we say, Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you are the Savior of the world. We are alive because of your life, because of your death, because of your burial, and because of your resurrection. We have full confidence that you are the Savior of the world, and we need you as the Lord and Savior of our lives, helping us to walk this thing out. Come on, if you agree with that prayer of salvation, say amen. amen. We agree that Jesus is who he says he is. Now I want to ask you the next step of walking out your salvation. You might not even understand it to the degree that I'm about to explain it. But God created and he said what he created is good. It is good. Of course it was good. It was sinless paradise. In fact, multiple times God says it is good. He created, it is good. It is, he created, he said it is good. Even in sinless paradise, then he makes this statement. It is not good for man to be alone. The best paradise world you can build around yourself, it might be a custom jet. And it is still not good for us to be alone. And I just challenge you to know God's plan is not just that we get our heart right with God, but then that we understand God's family is a part of God's plan. Jesus even said, when you pray, say our, our Father which art in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever noticed this? Like we need each other. Community is a part of the plan. So we're walking out how to help people find a deeper sense of community. And I want to invite you, if you're making a decision to serve Jesus today, or if you're saying, I want to take a step forward in understanding what it is to really be involved with the church family on a level that would be honoring to God and, and aligning with my design, then we want to walk that out with you. And you can do that by just filling out uh, that Connect card in the back of the seat or text DESTINY to 474747. And that digital card will come to your phone. You can fill that out. We'll follow up with you. We'll explain the way we walk this out as a church family. 
But I'm not here to promote a program. I'm simply trying to provide you with avenues so that you know we're on this journey together. What I'm here to say is this is all about Jesus. (laughs) It's about him. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. I pray that you, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm reading with a little bit of vigor, and, and I know that my emphasis can kind of, you know, incite a little bit of response, but are you discerning what I'm discerning about a deeper sense of the reality of God when we're looking into the lens of Scripture? I believe God's activating something eternally uh, within us more powerfully in this next season of the church. Why don't you receive that in your own life, in your devotion time, in your prayer time? We're not just going to read the book. We're going to sit with the author. We're going to experience God. Let's choose to experience God now together as a family. I want to read this one more time, and then we're just going to go right in to nothing else. We're just going to begin declaring nothing else. Nothing else matters. That song is a significant declaration for us. I pray that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people and that you may be filled with all the measure of the fullness of God. What? All the measure of the fullness of God. Fill you up. Change your life. Transform who you are. Come on. Let's worship our God. Let's press in. Put everything else aside as we surrender our hearts to him.